Good morning, dear listener. You're welcome to Nasco Moments. How many times have you washed your hands today? Always stay safe at this time. I am your host, Hudungyang. Today we shall be talking about parental responsibility in combating the menace of gender-based violence. Violence against women and girls is one of the world's most prevalent human rights violations taking place every day. It has serious short- and long-term physical, economic, and psychological consequences on women and girls, preventing their full and equal participation in society. Conditions created by the pandemic, including lockdowns, reduced mobility, heightened isolation, stress, and economic uncertainty, have led to an alarming spike in domestic violence and have further exposed women and girls to other forms of violence, from child marriage to sexual harassment online. Here in Nigeria, it is estimated that 30% of girls and women aged between 15 and 49 have experienced sexual abuse. On the Nasco Moments show this morning, our guest is Barrister Deborah Kashon Manasi. She's a senior associate of the law firm G. Omachi & Co. and also a legal and social political analyst. She will be educating us on parental responsibility in combating the menace of gender-based violence. Barista Deborah, welcome to Nasco Moments. Thank you very much. Listeners, stay tuned. We shall be right back. Ah, ah, Mama Shakara. Eh? This is your shabby city shining. <laughs> and now don't fit. How manage? Ah, my sister. Now, Bright Text white detergent. Oh. Bright Text detergent, not the fade cloth at all at all. And if they wash clothes clean, well, well, it gets power to come out all the nyama nyama stain and dirty no matter how it be. You not go chop and soap? No, you know the chop and do. I need good for washing machine too. Eh? Hmm. Mama Shakara. Me too now. Bright text detergent I go to use to wash all my clothes now. So that I go to shine, shine and scent, scent and make Shakara like you so. <laughs> bright text white detergent. A quality product from NASCO. For your brightest wash, bright text. Bright text. For the brightest wash. You're welcome back to NASCO Moments. I'm Hudun Gyang and we are talking about parental responsibility in combating the menace of gender-based violence. Our guest is Barista Deborah Gashan Manasi. She's a senior associate with the law firm G. Omachi & Co. and also a legal and social political analyst. Now, we'll begin the conversation this way. Can you give uh, the listener a sense of what gender-based violence is? Uh, thank you very much. Um, gender-based violence has, over the years, got a lot of people attempting to define it one way or the other. But um, I'll stick with the definition given by the United Nations when it says it's, a, it's an umbrella term that describes acts that are harmful perpetrated on a person against his will based on the differences that society has created in sexes. So that simply means that these are acts, harmful acts that are, that are suffered by people based on the sexual differences created by society. So basically, that is what gender violence is. Now, what are the various forms of gender-based violence? Okay, gender-based violence can actually take um, various forms, which sometimes can interlap or inter they are interwoven, or in so sometimes you see them uh, all happening to one person at the same time. So it's sort of difficult to actually just differentiate them. But basically, they can come in physical form, which is the one that everyone seems to know. It can also come in psychological form or emotional form. It can come in economic form. You know, that's the one many people don't really know about. 
it can come in sexual form and all of that. So sexual, I mean, gender-based violence can take any of the forms listed. Now, um, is it only the female gender that is a victim of gender-based violence or uh, does the male gender also suffer it? Um, no. The gender-based violence, like we said, that's why the definition says they are harmful practices or treatments that a person suffers because of sexually created differences by the society. So this is something that um, both gender can, you know, be victims of. Although you hardly would talk about gender-based violence without talking about violence against women and girls. And the reason is simple. It is because a variety of research has shown that one out of every three women has suffered one form of gender violence gender-based violence or the other and that is a global statistics not just a nigeria or an african thing statistics also show that about 641 million women have encountered both physical and sexual or physical or sexual violence at the course of their lives at one point or the other united nations has also said that because of gender violence, in fact, the World Bank estimates that countries, some countries lose about 3.7% of their gross domestic product due to lost productivity, and this is as it affects women. So because of the rate of the people that are victims as against the rate of people that are perpetrators, because about 99% of victims of gender-based violence are women, as against the exact same percentage of the perpetrators, which are men. So while we agree that generally gender-based violence is, is a situation or a phenomenon that affects both gender, it prevalently affects women and girls. Mm -hmm. Now, what in your view is the driving force behind gender-based violence? Because I have said that prevalently it is women and girls that are victims of gender-based violence. Permit me to say that in my view, I think very simply that what enforces this is the legitimacy of male violence against women. Every other factor is subsumed under this factor. The fact that society applauds or allows or validates violence against women as against the converse makes it okay. In fact, why would society applaud it or or allow it or think that there's nothing wrong with it. Good. Now, you will agree with me that because the majority of the persons who are victims of this menace are women and girls, most of the times they are invincible to society. And because they are invincible to society, if the society doesn't see you, it will see your problem. It doesn't see it as a problem. And this is not because the society has come up to say it is not a problem, but because we have structures that are put in place that promotes unhealthy, unequal relationship between male and female. Look at the workplace, for instance. When you talk about workplace sexual harassment, look at the picture. In reality, what do you see? You see a male employer as against a female employee. When you talk about harassment in educational settings, you see a lecturer and a student. Look at the relationship between a husband and a wife. How many times has a wife gone to say, I have a problem with my husband, he's hitting me, and people say, hey, you can't do that. No. People say, madam, sorry, but you know, 
marriage is like that, you have to be patient, this and that. So society has not come out to say there is nothing wrong with, for instance, a man hitting a man. I mean a woman. There is nothing wrong with a boy, for instance. When, when a boy comes back and say, this girl is looking for my trouble, his father say, you are a fool. You don't know that you are a man. You're supposed to strike her. So these are structures that are already in place promoting these practices. Oh, if men, well, you, uh, I like the example you gave with the child, uh, what he teaches his son, for instance. Well, are the mothers actually being proactive in the way they raise their children? You see, this thing is, is, is a cultural thing. It's an orientational problem. Because even women have accepted that that is their place. And that is why a mother will have a son, a younger son, sitting in the parlor doing absolutely nothing. And the older daughter is asked to bring food for him. When he's done, he, she's asked to take the, the plates to the kitchen. Because even women, we have accepted, we have agreed that that is where we belong. We have accepted that it is okay to be in unhealthy relationships. Why has the incidence of gender-based violence continued to be on the rise globally? We are yet to accept that it is a problem. You begin to solve a problem when you have identified it as a problem. As long as you are yet to do that, as long as you have not got there yet, it just continues to strive. And that is the exact same thing I just finished saying, that the victims of this menace are, not, are invincible to the society. So although for some, some time now, uh, we have come to a point where we say even the states, even communities, even government is losing because women are not as productive as they should be. A lot of women, for instance, will, will, will be out of job, maybe because they have suffered one domestic violence or the other. Because majority of about 37% of women mother are said to be by their intimate partner, whether in marriage, in relationship, but is romantically related. So that has caused even loss in productivity. But until it is accepted that it is not right, there is nothing different between a male and a female. Because these are, these are societally created and it is based on gender roles. Now, I'm wondering what it will take to change these perceptions for people to accept that, look, you really need to let women get to their potential. It is even to your benefit if you Very allow well. women to reach their full potential. Now, you know, there's, there's something about, about violence that goes with masculinity. You know, men believe... Somehow, I don't know where it started, but men believe that they should be in control. And being in control is not being in control of situations alone, but being in control of whoever is around them, including their wives. So, because our culture has said, some cultures before now have said that a woman is a chattel, and that means she's part of the property of a man. That is why in some customs, you'll find that women do not inherit their husbands when they die. You'll find that girl child does not inherit her father when he dies. You find that when a man does not have a male child, he marries another wife because he believes his, his name ends, you know, when he is gone. So you can see the chain of cultural beliefs that promote these practices. Over 600 million women across the world have suffered from female genital mutilation. What does that, what purpose does that serve? It's just pain. And yet you find that those who actually um, actually partake or who actually do the practice are women themselves. So that is... Unfortunately. 
really unfortunate. Unfortunately. Mm. Well, this conversation will continue after the break. Uh, Barrister Deborah, thank you so much for your answers so far. We shall be back right after this break. Ever since I discovered the secret of Brightex white detergent, my clothes come fresh, bright and clean always. It's mild on clothes and good for my washing machine. Thank you, Brightex. Brightex detergent cleans deep stains and dirt from your clothes, keeping it fresh and bright so your clothes don't fade. It lasts longer. Brightex white detergent, a quality product from NASCO. Take the Brightex advantage today and keep your clothes fresh, bright and clean. For your brightest wash, Brightex. Brightex, for the brightest wash. Welcome back, listener. My name is Hudun Gyang, and this is NASCO Moments. We're talking about parental responsibility in combating the menace of gender-based violence. Our guest is Barista Deborah Gashan Manasseh, Senior Associate with the law firm G. Omachi & Co., and also a legal and social political analyst. Now, let's get to the health psychological and social implications of gender-based violence. What have you seen in this regard? It's enormous. It is. It is beyond comprehension. You would have to sit down. It goes in circle. But because we may not see the whole circle go around 360, so we, we, we kind of separate events as if they do not follow each other. But there is cause and there is effect. Health-wise, when a woman, rape is an example of, I mean, of sexual violence. When a woman is raped, you, you, can, you, can, you can imagine the trauma that she is, is sexually violated against her will. Take, for instance, verbal abuse. You can imagine what that does to the self-esteem of a person, whether a girl or a, or a woman or a grown woman. You can imagine how women are isolated by their spouses or their partners, depending on the type of relationship, because of the issue of control. So, if a woman is not able to be confident in herself, if she is not able to stand up with her shoulders up and her head high and walk, contributing her quota to the community, to the society at large, then we know that she is not reaching her full potential. There is, there is nothing scientifically proving that a man is better than a woman in any way. There is nothing. In fact, the belief that men are physically stronger than women has been disproven in many instances. So the psychological effect alone is why we have believed as women that it is okay for men to hit us. That is why, have you noticed in music for instance, that the only role a girl plays is to dance naked. While the guy dancing, I mean, while the guy who has the song is fully clothed. Because we, we just believe that is where we should be. It's psychological. You don't even get to know it until you really sit down, look at it, and why should I dance naked? That's the only role I get to play. And that is just in music. And a, a, a child, whether male or female, who grows up in an abusive home, there is sometimes he either grows as a survivor or as a perpetrator. So if he's a perpetrator, he just goes in circle. What he has grown up to see is okay, so he does it. It's worse for women. 
If a woman, if a girl grows up in a home where her mother is under some sort of domestic abuse, then she believes that is the position of women. A woman should zip her mouth and say nothing. You can see the effect. And yet it is a, and it continues that way in a, a vicious, continuous in a vicious, vicious cycle. cycle. What should individuals do to protect themselves from being victims of gender-based violence? Okay, because gender-based violence affects both um, children and adults, I'll start with children. With children, it is difficult for them to protect themselves because most of the times they are under the care of adults. And the people who perpetrate this act on them are usually people who they should ordinarily trust. So um, it will be difficult for children to really protect themselves in the real sense of protecting themselves. But for adults, so it will be the responsibility of the adults in their lives to help them do that. But for adults, if you've gone past the age of 18, no matter what your story is like, you just have to look ahead at the number of years you have to live and whether you want to build your life based on your past or you really want to build your life based on what you believe is right and is going to be beneficial to you. Because women are mostly the ones affected by this, you would want to keep a healthy relationship. You would want to make, know yourself, appreciate yourself, value yourself by your intrinsic values, not by extrinsic values. You, you should not, for ladies, I'm particular about ladies because that's the highest number that suffers it. You should not believe that you would go to school, study medicine for five years. You know what it takes to study medicine in Nigeria? For five years, which usually end up six to be seven years. And then you end up getting married and the man says you cannot practice medicine. All you will do is stay at home. That's not your decision. But because you're married and culture say submit. Yes, sir. I, this is a life situation I'm telling you about. As I speak now, the woman has left the home. She doesn't work. She stays home all through. Beautiful home. But I tell you that as little as 100 naira, sometimes she does not have it. You know, sometimes I listen to stories like this and I just wonder. These are people we know. These are people who are educated. Yes. Why would you marry such a person? You had a choice of a career. You had a choice of what you wanted to be, how you wanted to contribute your quota to the world. And then you go to a point and it doesn't matter anymore. You are redefined completely and you are practically putting your hands for God's sake. If somebody takes care of every couple, he, you are economically disadvantaged. What can you do? He, can, he certainly can't get away with whatever he wants and he dictates your life. Exactly. And there's absolutely nothing you can do. So you have to appreciate yourself from the inside. Know who you are, create healthy boundaries, set rules, and keep to them. It is very important because most of this perpetration, apart from the ones about strangers, most of them are with people that we trust. They are with people that we love. They are with people that we relate. But if you don't set those healthy boundaries, and those healthy boundaries can only be set when you know who you are from the inside. You appreciate yourself. Like someone would say, whatever price tag you put on yourself is the way people are going to buy you. Now let's talk about those who have already become victims. What are the redress mechanisms that are available victims of gender-based violence oh well um legally speaking we already know that there are laws in place there are laws protecting violence against persons and this generally applies to both male and female 
This is a 2017 law, so it's quite recent in Nigeria. It's called the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act. For now, it applies only in Abuja. But we also have the penal code because um, violence to your body can come in form of uh, grave bodily harm. It can come in form of assault. It can come in form of... So there, there are, there are of, these are created as offenses that carry punishment. So we have the security outfits. One, you can report so that justice is served. But again, because there is trauma, there is psychological trauma, there are civil societies, there are non-governmental organizations that would prefer, that would prefer counseling. They will take you through, you know, the hard time inside so that you heal. You really need, it's an injury that is internal and you need the process to heal. So we have those um, outfits that will help to, to heal, for victims to heal. Okay, now let's look at parents because this is very important. What role should they play in combating the menace of gender-based violence? Like we said, for children, there's, there's not much they can do because the adults in their life should protect them. So the first thing first, let the home be a healthy place for the children, devoid of violence of any sort. You see, sometimes some of the words we use on our children is, are amazing. I know, right, that it's the society. Sometimes they come out, you don't even know when. But, but as little as some words that can demoralize a child, that can, you know, that can put him down in terms of bringing up his confidence and building his self-esteem, you can make the home a comfortable place. Have communication lines open so that... Although your home is protected, when something strange is happening outside, the children will be comfortable enough to talk to you about it. This is important and cannot be overemphasized. Because even in the home, whether the children are directly the target of, of, of violence or not, they are affected. Have you heard of a child that stabbed his father because he couldn't stand the father maltreating the mother? He's affected already. So children, they see they hear, they observe. So whether you tell them or not, once the home is tense, once there is violence, they know. So the first thing parents would do would be first of all to ensure that they themselves are not involved in violent acts of any nature. Let the children not see the mother suffer because the father has refused to give her money to go to the hospital. But again, let the mother make herself meaningful so that she has income. Let the mother also make herself in a situation where she has a support system or a support group that she can always go to because really we need a go-to person in our lives. Because when the children also see that you are doing nothing about it as the woman, sometimes they feel it's their fault. So we, we parents have to do that. That is, a, that is in themselves. We're not even talking about parents. No, not even protecting the children yet from outsiders. We're talking about from inside. Because most of the little girls that are raped are raped by uncles, they are raped by in-laws, they are raped by cousins, they are raped by neighbors in the same compound, they are raped by people that you would ordinarily tell them to trust. So parents also have to educate their children early because most times it comes through sex. You force children to watch pornographic videos. You force children to mimic or repeat what they see or you practically just force someone to sit and watch you do some things that are unimaginable if their communication lines are open with the parents the children should be able to say ha mommy something happened today and you will not panic you will not send the child regretting why he told you you will become understand and take the next action behave like the adult because most times these things happen, the children don't say it because of your reaction. 
So you may want to just watch it when they come to tell you sensitive things like that. And you may also want to follow up on friends. You may also want to follow up on the wonders of social media. Parenting is quite a huge responsibility and, and people really need to understand that you're holding lives in your own hands and it's it's huge. Right. You have quite a lot to do and uh, you cannot shirk that responsibility. We have to leave the program at this point. What final or parting word do you have? Okay, so I came across this by, by Dr. Tedros of the World Health Organization and I loved it because he captured it quite beautifully. He said gender-based violence, or specifically violence against women and girls, is not like COVID-19 that we can stop using a vaccine. It is not like that. To fight gender-based violence or violence against women and girls, we have to make efforts at deep-rooted and serious commitment in ensuring that our structures in the society are healthy that our relationships are healthy and balanced, that we bring more opportunities for women, you know, that is balanced, and to also open up opportunities for girls to be on the same pedestrian. Not that they will be more favored, but they will be allowed to be on the same pedestrian with their counterpart. If we start from there, this effort must be by all governments, communities, individual religious leaders, Whoever. We have to make that effort. I'm looking forward to a time such as that. This is where we end the show, listener. It's the Nasco Moment Show. Thank you so much, Barrister Deborah Manasse, for being on the show today. It has been my pleasure. Remember, listener, you can follow Nasco's social media handles. There's lots of information for you to get. Visit www.facebook.com slash group. And you can also freely send your feedback on any aspect of the Nasco Moments radio show the email info at nasco.net. You can send a text to 0805-774-7777. This week on the Nasco Moments Trivia, our question is, when was the federal law, the Violence Against Persons Prohibition VAPP Act, enacted in Nigeria? Send the correct answer via text to 0805-774-7777. 7777 and include your full name and exact location. Our trivia question for last week was What is the name given to a type of spear phishing attack that specifically targets senior executives within an organization? The answer is whaling attacks. And we have two winners Amara Confidence from Apata and Fidelis Igweze from Tina Junction. Congratulations. You will be contacted so you can immediately claim the promised prize of a gift basket of assorted NASCO products. The NASCO Moments radio talk show has been brought to you by NASCO Group. It was created by Unimark Limited Marketing Communications Consultants, Executive Producers, NASCO Marketing Department, Producer Harun Audu, Research and Content Development, George Palm and Harun Audu, Production Coordinators, Solomon Audu, Deborah Galadima, and Alex Ruben. Until next time, stay safe. Remember, always wash your hands, wear face masks in public, practice social distancing, and always carry your hand sanitizer. My name is Hudun Yang, and this is NASCO Moments. Mm-hmm.